Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. And I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll, and together we are Three Pack. Join us on the brand new Spotify Live app immediately after all of the biggest fights in combat sports. And also during the weigh-ins, because that's when the real drama happens. So what are you waiting for? Follow the Ring MMA show right now on our exclusive Spotify podcast feed. And come join the best community in MMA. Peace! We're out of here. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Preview Show. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined in person in Phoenix, Arizona for the Super Bowl by Ben Solik and Stephen Rees. We did it. Do We're think, here. Do you think the in-person from Phoenix starts to lose a little bit of pump when we've like said it on every single pod that we've done for the last week or so? I mean, when you put it like that, yeah. yeah. You know what I, I'm saying? Also, if... what did we do? You said we did it. Well, we made it to the Super Bowl. We've been previewing the games every weekend, and this is the last game of the weekend or the game Not of the that year. Impressive. We gotta get. We got one more game to go through. Two. We, That's we what came, the show is for. The pod's going not on? over yet, though. We came in too early with the bullying Heifetz for his intro. We gotta, this is this was too much, too fast. I'm not, you're not bullying me. You're just wrong. Just look, wrong. Look, look, look. There's no guarantee I'm gonna make it through the show. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, Steven's <laughs> been sick all week. Like he has nothing. Could, he just Steven's has... flu gaming it, man. Well, yeah. no, Mike. he is um, food poisoning. I actually think he's just old and hungover, but it's fine. Um, it's okay. He's scared to compete. No, I'm not. I'm here. No. I'm competing. Yeah, no. Actively competing as we it, speak. As was as I was just told. All right, we're gonna break down the Super Bowl like nobody else can. You two have actually been game planning against each other. Well, Solik's been game planning. Steven's been throwing up. But you two, in theory, were supposed to be game planning all week. I can do both. Well, Steven, you're you're the yeah. There you go. You're Doesn't the that show that he's a hardcore coach, right? Like he's just like you know he's so intense, yeah. he's so dialed in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like grinding tape, and it's like should be going to the hospital. And it's like nope. Into the trash can, right back to a film. <laughs> Two a.m. on Tuesday, baby. I'm all not right. making it home. No, no <laughs> I'm not making it home. <laughs> well, that's someone tell my wife. We made it to the last <laughs> podcast Steven's ever doing. But you're Andy Reid, and you're the Chiefs coaching staff. Solak is you're gonna cosplay as uh, Nick Sirianni. Go birds. I just want you to curse like Nick Sirianni. Can you scream at someone? Just be like, I know what the f- I'm doing. What are doing? That was and I am moment. allowed to be here. Yeah, I can do whatever I want. I'm Nick Sirianni. Did you figure out who he was yelling at? The side was, judge. Yeah, there was a ref who was telling him like, you can't stay. I. That's how Solak got into Radio Row. They thought he was a child, and he was like, I am allowed to be here. I have a credential. Anyway, all right, we're gonna dive into the nitty gritty of this game, uh, but first, just. Just get right to it. Who do you guys think wins this game? And then what's your big picture thought coming in and why? The more data I go through, the more I think the Eagles win. And then every time I turn on the film, I think the Chiefs win. And I tend to be film over over data. Like The Eagles are an uh, impossibly strong team, even for the the, the, the poor opponents, the poor strength of schedule, the poor quarterbacks that they faced. They are clearly very good. They are so ridiculously deep. They belong here. I think Mahomes is better than them. I think Mahomes... As a quarterback in this this second era, the second iteration of him, this evolution of him, I think he's well built and well positioned to beat this Jonathan Gannon defense. I think the Chiefs put on too many points. I like the Chiefs to win okay, it. So the Vikings were like the George Santos frauds, like really obvious about it, and then the the Eagles are like the Sam Bankman FTX frauds, where it's like it's hard to catch, but then when you do, it's going to all blow up. Sure. This is the oh, cri- okay. <laughs> the crypto metaphor is beyond me. I do feel like of the limited things that I've learned about Sam Bankman fried Freud. Sam Bankman fraud. Fraud. He's fried sure. now. Yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> I feel like of the limited things I've learned about him, he should have been very easy to figure out. And so I don't know. I think the Eagles are they're not frauds. He had a like he did easy yeah. schedule. Who that would ever the- trust a guy with their finances who has that haircut? Or like does the guy own a comb? <laughs> that's me uh, when I when I uh, get a financial advisor in my life in my adulthood I'm looking at him like that's some well combed hair here's the money sir that's right 
I can't believe Spotify away? flew us out here to, to, to make these jokes. Uh, I'm taking the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes and everything that, that Solak said, he's, he's evolved to a point where I don't really care about the matchup. Like, I know the Eagles' pass rush is so good, so overwhelming. They sack the quarterback. But this is a guy that is just immune to pressure. I mean, he avoids sacks unlike any other quarterback in the NFL. And I think that's a new feature of his game. And I know, I know things have changed since last, you know, last year when they played. But Mahomes was just untouchable in that game. And, like, the Chiefs' offense in general was really untouchable. We're going to get into it, but they did whatever they wanted. And I don't know if the changes the Eagles have made over the last calendar year, while substantial, are enough to make up the gap that Patrick Mahomes has created against any team he goes up against. He's just that good. Yeah, I'm picking the Chiefs, too, and it's probably bad when everyone on the same show picks the same team. I feel like that's like a pretty sure sign to just take the Eagles. But yeah, the thing I've just been thinking about this whole week is if Patrick Mahomes wins – like, if the Chiefs win this game, Patrick Mahomes is, like, already an all-time quarterback. Like, he could literally never play football again, and he'd be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. He's already but, the best ever. Well, like, it, I want to hear the argument against it because I, I, I don't – you can't make an argument against it without citing the fact that Tom Brady won, what, seven rings? That's the only argument against him being the best quarterback ever. But, like, talent – he's more talented. I no, think, he's better. It doesn't – talent is different. Like, I, I remember, like – in the lead-up to the Bengals game, people were talking about how Mahomes is talented. He's such a good football player, but Joe Burrow plays the quarterback position better. Right. No, he doesn't. Nobody does. Nobody has yeah. ever played the quarterback position at this level and in the ways that he does. But you know what's crazy is that even just forgetting how he plays, even just like if people are like rings and wins, if if the Chiefs win this game, Patrick Mahomes will be 2-1 and one in the Super Bowl, five AFC Championship game appearances. That is Peyton Manning's entire career. Yeah, like he will have That's two right. rings at twenty-seven. John Elway did not have a ring till he was thirty-seven. I mean, it's Insane. like if you do the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks, it's like Brady, it's Montana. I, my grandma would say Johnny Unitas, and who's the fourth spot? And it's like, you know what I would do? I would go there with uh, dynamite, blow up the entire thing, and just construct it to be just Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, it's just him, or just like a bigger Justin Herbert looming over. Justin Herbert, he might yeah. sneak Gino in there. Smith. I, okay, mm. all right, let's get to the game. So here we are. Now we've made it. I don't know when we made it. We'll see. Super Bowl 57. It's the NFC's number one seed, Philadelphia Eagles. AFC's number one seed, Kansas City Chiefs. Eagles are favored by one and a half points, over under 50. It's the first Super Bowl NFL history with two black starting quarterbacks. Both of them are hurt, actually. So Mahomes has a high ankle sprain. Jalen Hurts has a sprained shoulder and his throwing shoulder. But even though that's true, the Eagles have probably all 22 players starting for this game that they Insane. want to start, which Insane. is just not how football is really supposed to work. Yep. Uh, it's just an incredible matchup. Like, the whole season, these are the top two offenses and expected points added per play. And then these are the top two defenses and sacks. So, I mean, this is just an insane matchup. Uh, we're going to go through, and we're basically just going to dissect, like, the, key to, the keys of the game on the, when the Chiefs had the ball, the Eagles. I want to start with when the Chiefs had the ball, because uh, Mahomes and everything we were just saying. I want to start with you, Steven. I would like you to explain something to me like I am five years old. Okay. Why don't defenses just double Travis Kelsey? <laughs> because when, like, I, when the Chiefs had Tyree Kill, I get it. He's really fast. You can't just double Kelsey because of Tyree Kill. But now Tyree Kill is gone. And just in the last two games the Chiefs played, in the playoffs, two games, Travis Kelsey had 21 catches and 11 first downs. So, like, why don't defenses, now that Tyree Kill is gone, just double Travis Kelsey always? Because the Chiefs make it harder to do that. That's why Andy Reid is such a good coach. They, they put him in motion more than any player in the league— he, Regardless of position, regardless of like tight end slot, 
outside receiver. They put him in motion. He leads the NFL in receiving yards, in receptions, in routes run, targets, win in motion. That makes it hard because you have to coordinate a double team. Like, it's, it's not basketball where you're like, these two guys, you guard LeBron James. With football, it's different. Like, leverage matters. Like, you, he can break inside, he can break outside. Now, imagine two guys covering a receiver. There's a guy on the inside, there's a guy on the outside. Now, Travis Kelsey breaks to the inside. Is it really, like, double coverage at that point? He's You're running no. away from that second guy. He's so Dom re- Toretto and Fast and Furious, and there's two cop cars. But it's, like, it's right. pretty hard for them to bring him yeah, down. Yeah, and, and Dom can't turn off the road if there's two guys on either side of him. But if And that's why you have to kind of, like, play with the leverages. You have to know what routes he's going to run. Yeah. You have to make sure, like, I have I have him low and inside. You have him high and outside. And that's where the motion comes in. You have to communicate that stuff. If he starts out on the right and he ends up on the left, now all of a sudden the guy that was doubling him on the right, let's say it was a safety that's back deep, now all of a sudden the safety on the other side has to know where he's doubling, how he's doubling, what leverage to play with, who he's in tandem with. Is it a corner? Is it the same corner that ran with him? And if that corner does run with him, now all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes knows the coverage. And also, you have to communicate that who's doing what to each other in three seconds, and the Chiefs are literally on purpose doing this at the last possible second. If they're snapping the ball while Kelsey's moving, then the coverage on Kelsey is changing as the ball is snapped. It's kind of like in Madden, if you ever, like, were, you know, you could zoom out and see the plays and all the lines and man coverage, but if you motion someone, it all changes really quick. Yes. It's that moment that has to be communicated across the secondary. That's why the two weeks of prep are really important, right? Like, one of the early themes I think you're going to see in this game like Chiefs heavy personnel against Eagles defensive line that we're going to talk about, Eagles RPO game that we're going to talk about. One of the early themes I think you'll see first quarter when these two teams are feeling themselves out is the Chiefs are going to send Kelsey in motion a couple times and run simple plays off of it, but just kind of see, okay, are they zone or are they man? What do they do when we change the strength, right? Like Kelsey was on a, a, a three-receiver side. Now he goes to the other side, and that becomes a three-receiver side. What do they do when we change the strength on them? What do we do when we send Kelsey into the boundary? He's the only receiver over there. Let's figure out what their Kelsey plan is. And then it's going to be Eric Bieniemy, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Nagy, for some reason, all sitting together on the sideline and going, all right, they're going to do X, Y, and Z. If we give them X, Y, and Z, this is how we're going to get Kelsey active in this game. Just shiv Matt Nagy. Oh, my God. I, Matt Nagy's good. I quoted him in my Mahomes piece. How dare you? Okay, so he's good because he gave you a quote for the Mahomes piece? Yeah. yeah. That's how I media also, works. I feel that way. Yeah, I agree. So I have a movie analogy. Steven, do you remember in Pirates of the Caribbean? When I've the seen f- Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm not going to lie. I was going to like try to save myself. I just assumed you hadn't, but that's really helpful yeah, for this exercise. The, it's the only movie he's seen. It's I actually seen a big, the OG3. I was oh, one of my previous 30 movies with you, so you know what? Yeah. Okay. Well, there yeah. we go. Perfect. We, before the season ended, we got one. There it but is. You guys remember the scene Pirates of the Caribbean where the first time he's hiding in the Smith shop and it's his first fight with Orlando Bloom? Yeah. And he's like, you don't want to cross blades with the pirate? And then he pulls and he fights him. And then the first opening of the fight is just he's like, oh, okay. Well, how's your footwork? And he's like, oh, like the whole thing's just testing Orlando. Is that basically what Andy Reid does in these opening drives? He's just like Jack Sparrow, be like, okay, when if I go here, what do you do? And then the rest of the fight's like actually first using of the all, information. How do you know like the intricate details of the scene? When was the last time you watched? I oh, love pirates. Did you I, watch I was, it last I was night? dialed in with that absolutely. Yeah, I you love sure it. You want to cross blades with a pirate boy? And then yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. And he goes. All right, you know what you're doing. I'll give you that. But how's your footwork? If yeah, I step okay. here, yes, so he much. already did that and part. And then like I you're, step you're, again. Well, I want to prove I know a movie. No, no, he did. That he is, just wanted like, to that do was it more again. verbatim than, dude. We did it. That I was know I was dealing with two Steven. pirates' heads. Uh, <laughs> yeah, movie. like that's what we won an Oscar for that. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Andy Reid is Jack Sparrow. Yes. No, no, he's not. He's oh. 
Damn, I he's like a that. detective. That's what he's okay. Sherlock Holmes. Like he he uses. We talk about the opening script a lot, and the reason why teams like to have an opening script, specifically why Andy Reid likes to have it, is. It's basically the discovery phase for him. He's asking questions of the defense. He's like, how are you going to match up against this look? How are you going to match up against this personnel grouping? And then he files that in his brain. And then in the second half, or even in the second quarter, he exploits those tactics. And no one's better at doing that than him. And that's, I think, the the first quarter of the game, I wouldn't read too much into it because there's going to be a lot of adjustments. But Andy Reid is going to find out a lot of vital information in those first 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. Pirates, yeah. I mean, I will he's say, kind I of like say, Jack Spare, right? Uh, he is. I want to say okay. really quick, though. The Chiefs, <laughs> excellent at doing that on the opening script. Wonderful at finding out what works. They're the third best scoring team in the second quarter this season, which I think is like a decent proxy for like, you know, good job figuring stuff out. The Eagles are first. The Eagles also do this extremely well. They, like, it's always like people always ask about, okay, like Nick Sirianni was the play caller, and then he gave it up to Shane Steichen last year, and then Steichen was the play caller all year, and, and Steichen and Sirianni were working with Phillip Rivers. Like, how did they know how to do a quarterback run offense? Kind of this, that, and the other thing. And Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach, how much did he impact? Like, the option game, it looks like what they ran with Dak Prescott. Like, all these questions about scheme and, and kind of who does this and everything. The most important thing to know about the Eagles' offensive coaching staff is this. Shane Steichen, who calls the plays into the headset, has got it, man. He like whatever it is, whatever, whatever into it blend of intuition and prep and analytics, whatever feel it is on the sideline to be able to say, all right, we just hit him three times, the so zone read, zone read, zone read. Now's the time for the counter. He's always like a right. setting up exactly. punches. Exactly. This I I I hate using the heavyweight fight analogy because it gets used so much in sports. And there's no good heavyweights anymore. Right. But I don't know that. But this is really <laughs> this is this is that sort of analogy of a heavyweight fight where early it's going to be we're running the football. We're throwing the ball short. What do you do if we do X? What do you, we do Y? Somebody's going to throw a haymaker at some point, connect, draw blood on the other guy, and then it's it, it's it's ball game, right? We're in round three, and now it's punches. Like this, I, I think it is going to be a hugely high-scoring game. I think it's going to be an extremely fun game. I think there's going to be big plays and fourth down conversions and, and plays out of structure. Like I think this thing has a chance to be first quarter, all right? We now know how we want to do this, and then bam, it pops open in a big way, and we're in for a treat. One thing I, one thing I would say about that, about like the Eagles' ability to react to what the defense is doing early. The Eagles' it, offense react to the Chiefs' yeah, D or yeah. the other way? The Eagles' offense. I would say that a lot of it comes on early downs. That's where they really get you. Like the, the, the option game, the RPOs, all that stuff, like that's not going to be a factor on third down. And I think that's how the Chiefs have to approach this game. You're not going to win early downs. You just have to survive early downs and hope you get them in third and long enough. Just hope you get them in third and long on one play on a given drive. And I think that's how you win this game. Because, like I'm saying, the, the Chiefs are going to score a bunch of points. I think the Eagles are going to score a bunch of points, too, because of the reason Solak laid out. They are so good at finding the right run concept and just hammering it over and over and over again. And if they find that against the Chiefs, I think Kansas City is going to have problems stopping them. You saw it in the, the game last year in 2021. These two teams played. The Chiefs did a lot of like interesting stuff in the run game, and the Eagles had answers for every single thing they did. Like if the the if the Chiefs loaded up one side of the the formation, they would just run misdirection to the other side. Sometimes they ran misdirection off that misdirection. Yeah, they make it so hard. Okay, so can you explain why the Eagles' offense is so hard? Like that mis he's way some up. So it, it, it's great, right? A lot of the thrusts of offensive development over the last several years has been, hey, get under center. 
to run to 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 pass the football, right? Usually we run from under center, we pass from shotgun. But we're gonna do this play action pass thing, and we're gonna do it from under center so that it really looks like a running play. And then we're gonna roll out a boot action. We're gonna roll out. We're gonna go play action pass, right? Another thing that's been big, and all this is from the Shanahan McVay tree, is pre-snap motion. We're going to use that motion player to not only get a coverage identification, but also to get a nice angle in the running game, and then to get a free-release route in the passing game. So we're going to go under center to pass, and we're going to do pre-snap motion. Make everything look complicated, but it's actually simple. Yeah, the Eagles do none of this. The Eagles are, are, are 31st in the league in pre-snap motion rate. They're second in the league in shotgun rate. You go for the whole Nick Sirianni era for, for two years, they're last in pre-snap motion rate. They line up and gun. With three receivers wide, pro set, you've seen it a thousand times. Two guys over there, one dude over there, tight end right there, running back over there. And they just line up and they just play. And, it, and it's it's so different. It's so much more static than the other, so the other popular offenses we well, see. I, I now, why does it work? I saw the notes, though. I wanted, yeah. When you say that it all looks the same, I, wanted, yeah. I stole this from you. So I'm reading your own numbers back to you. I don't care. You said A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard are basically always on the field. 90% of the Eagle snaps are in shotgun, and they're second to last in pre-snap motion. So it yeah. really is just like the same thing, basically. Yeah. And, 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 and so how does this work? It's because everything we just talked about was about pre-snap presentation. And while the Eagles aren't doing anything that's super like, creative or ingenious, they're also not tipping their hands. And then when the ball is snapped, the optionality shows up. All of a sudden, you have Devontae Smith running a bubble screen, and you have A.J. Brown looks like he's blocking for that bubble screen, but he might be running a slant, and you have Jalen Hurts putting the ball in the belly of the back, and he might be giving it to that back, or he might be keeping it, and he might run it if he keeps it, or he might throw it to Devontae Smith who ran the bubble, or he might throw it to A.J. Brown who ran the slant. Oh, and by the way, the tight end might be blocking the end man on the line of scrimmage, or he might be releasing and lead blocking for Jalen Hurts when he goes on the running play, or he might be releasing to a route. They keep everything looking so similar pre-snap, such that when they snap the football, Everything becomes available the first to them. Two sec the first one or two seconds of the play all look the same, and right. then from there it could become 12 things. Exactly. And but so, to be clear, this is like, it sounds right. like next level. This is a, just a, a really good high school offense, yes, though. This is what high school teams because do. Because what it does, fundamentally, is it takes individual players on the defense and puts them in conflict such that they cannot be correct. Jalen Hurts is making a decision post-snap based off of the movement of an unblocked edge rusher. Right, that edge rusher is left unblocked. The offensive line is going to block everybody else, and Jalen Hurts is looking right at that guy. And if he goes to to uh, chase the running back on a handoff, Hurts will keep the ball and run it. And if he goes to play Jalen Hurts, Hurts will give it to the running back. No matter what, that edge rusher is wrong. And then it compounds. Right, they go and they find the nickel, and they say, "All right, well now the nickel has to behave off the of the edge the rusher, cornerback in the, the field, cornerback in the slot. He has to do what he, uh, he has to make his plays based off of the edge rusher. And so now we're going to send a route his direction, and we're going to send a pick play his direction. We're going to make him read the backfield and also read the pick play. And we're going to get the linebacker involved. And they just start picking on dudes, and they are finding also, guys. When in you the say go level. the wrong way, it's literally like you just leave their best defensive end untouched, and it's like. You go that way, we're going to go that way. And if he goes that way, you just go the yeah, other he way. Can't like, yeah. right. He's, he cannot be right. He cannot be right. It's kind of like how Stephen A. Smith left an energy drink here, but they're out of water. So it's like no matter what I pick, it's like a bad decision. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. Like when we the, 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 the coaching term is put this player in conflict. But what it really means is, is to put him in an impossible situation. He cannot be correct. And so this is why the core of the Eagles offense is nearly unstoppable. Right, it, 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 if, if Jalen Hurts is making the right decision with the ball and if they're executing their blocks and the wide receivers are executing their blocks and the wide receiver screens and then they're, they're running the routes with the right time in the RPOs, it's really, really difficult to actually stop them. You have to wait for them to make a mistake. You have to wait for a Jalen Hurts misread on, on a play. And then, like Steven brought up, you get them out of early downs and into late downs. And if the Chiefs are going to win this game, they will win it on the few third and longs they're able to force. When they get a third and eight, they get off the field. They, that, that first drive against the Niners for the Eagles, they had like a third and 10 and a third and seven, and they scored seven points. 
unacceptable. You cannot have those mistakes. And that's why Steve Spagnolo, defense coordinator for the Chiefs, he's such a good game planner, and he's so good at the at at running blitz packages that are confusing, that are disruptive, that that change who Jalen Hurts is reading, that force him to be on the back foot on those third downs. Man, it is it is spags for all the money. It is it is the game for the Chiefs defense when we get our rare third and eight. We have to win it. And the thing is, like, the Eagles, by the numbers, are really good on third down. Really, really good. But they're not good on third and long. They're good on, like, third and five, third and medium. When, they I, can... when I hear they're not good on third and long, I hear that Jalen Hurts is not a great dropback passer yet. Is that accurate or what? He's not a great dropback passer, which is fine to say. Just... Yeah, so Jalen Hurts, he's not a great dropback passer. He's a good dropback passer. What, what I will say is that on first and ten, when Jalen Hurts just, like, straight drops back, that's a surprise, right? You they, you You— the defense was thinking at least run action, at least play action fake, at least some sort of RPO. On third and eight, you put the ball in the belly of the back, you do a little pretend handoff, nobody's buying it. So the Eagles' offense is made so effective. Their passing game is made so effective just by the threat of the run, the threat of the RPO, which is eliminated on third and long. And that's why they come back down to earth a little bit. And that's why... That's why they're still good on third and medium because the run threat's still there. Like, I can pick up five yards. And they'll go for it on fourth and short. So you're Steve Spagnuolo, Steven, in between, you know... Whatever food poisoning things you had going on. Chris Jones is under the weather. Steven's fault. Yeah, I blame you. Uh, Solik's describing this unstoppable offense where no matter what every defender does, they're wrong. So, like, what do the Chiefs do? Here's the thing. I'm going to bring up Patrick Mahomes again. When I know I have that guy Does he on... play defense? No, no this, this I very much agree with this. This, this is, yeah. I know when I have that guy on the, the, the sideline, he's going to put up a lot of points, which means I can play a little more unsound than I would when I'm playing if I have, like, Jared Goff at quarterback. Like, I have a bigger margin for error. And I think he's a coach that really takes advantage of that. Like, we've we've seen Spagnuolo in, in various spots. We saw him with the Giants where the big thing with him was what? Four-man rush. Yeah. Getting home with four. We oh, saw sorry, him, the, when the 2007 New York Giants beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl, sure. is that what you're referring to? I think to? so, yeah. Okay, sure, yeah. whatever. Uh, but he struggled in other spots. And then he got to Kansas City where he's got to play this – I don't want to say it's an unsound defense, like it's a bad thing, but he, he takes risks and he takes calculated risks. And I think that's what you have to do against this team. You're going to have to you're gonna have to cheat. Like you're going to have to overplay one concept. The Patriots right. are not in the Super Bowl, so I don't know if there's cheating. <laughs> yeah. To Steven's point, like I said, okay, you know, I got the, I'm Jalen Hurts. I have the running back to my right-hand side. I'm going to put the ball in his belly and I'm going to read the unblocked edge defender. The good teams to beat that, blitz it, right? Okay, if, if you're going to put us in a spot where if our guy waits and tries to read the play, he's always going to be wrong, I'm just going to send him, and yeah. I'm going to send another dude. And if, if you think pre-snap you're reading the end, I'm going to change who you're reading, so I'm going to send cats, right? And that's where Spags, like, because you, you look at Mahomes against this Eagles defense and you say, I think they can get 30 on the board, when you go to game plan defensively, you go, hey, if we get one fumble, right? If we get one hit on Jalen Hurts trying to give the ball away and the ball – dribbles out and, and Derek Naughty falls on it. We get one turnover and one punt. Yeah, like we think Mahomes is just going to outpace these guys. And so you start saying, all right, listen, we're blitzing the back. We're sending pressures on first and 10, not on 30, on first and yes. 10. We are going to invite chaos. And hey, if they got a four-play 80-yard scoring drive with a 50-yard A.J. Brown touchdown, well, guess what? They were probably going to score on us anyway. They were just going to do it a little bit slower <laughs> with a few more plays. We are going to try to generate. And new opportunity for Mahomes, a two-for-one chance, a short field. We're going to try to get on top of these guys and critically force the Eagles to play from behind, something they have not had to do all season. Let's get them out of their RPO game. Let's get them out of their run-first offense. Let's know that Jalen Hurts has to drop back. This should be a game where Spags is flying yes. at Jalen Hurts and saying, if, if, if you beat us with deep bombs, you beat us with deep bombs, but you haven't been that good throwing the ball down the field recently. We're going to test you. And 
we talked about how the Eagles attack teams in the run game. They find a way to run on you. They do that based on the front. Like, if you if you play an under front and over front, you don't need to know what that means. But those are two different fronts. You, certain runs work better against an under front. Certain runs work better against an over front. Well, so let's rewind for a hot second. I think it's actually instructive that the Giants played the Patriots in the 2007 Super Bowl. Of course you do. Well, I just, you know, <laughs> hypothetically. But, like... <laughs> The whole thing with that Giants team was it was a four-man pass rush, right? Right. Like, there's four-man pass rushers beat, and not to spell out the obvious, but if four people can consistently beat five offensive linemen, that's an advantage for the defense. Right. But in this game, like, part of that's because Tom Brady's not actually part of the five, right? Because he's useless. He can't run. He just throws. So it's like, but in this game, if Jalen Hurts is the quarterback, Jalen Hurts can also run. It's not really four on five, is it? It's like four on six, so the Eagles basically, like, they right. need a fifth offensive, the fifth defensive lineman in a way. Yeah, that's the value of Jalen Hurts, and like, there's been a lot of talk about his supporting cast, especially when we've debated the MVP. But that's that's what he brings to this offense is that presence in the backfield that you have to account for in the run game, like we talked about, but also in the passing game. We talked about the the read option and how that makes forces you to play eleven on eleven, which defenses don't have to do when they're playing Tom Brady or Jared Goff. But I feel like we this is a good. I want to linger on this because I feel like for literally for 15 years we've basically been like, yeah. You know, statue pocket passer, like, if you can get four-man rush, cool. But really what you're saying is in this era of, like, mobile quarterbacks, it's Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, you know, the elite threats like Daniel Jones. Um, yep. As, yeah, the, yep. only the elites. Yep. You actually, like, five is the new four, right? A five-man right. rush. I know it's not exactly five rushers, but that, is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, that's the way to plug the escape routes from the pocket. And we know right. Jalen Hurts likes to get outside of the pocket, especially when he's getting pressured. And blitzing is going to invariably create pressure. And it gives you that benefit because you're sending five, you're sending six. Now, the, the challenge, especially with this team that can run and pass on in basically any situation is coordinating it. So, well, where does that fifth guy come from? Like, wh- that's the question is, and the answer should be for Kansas City anywhere. He should be able to come <laughs> from anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You can't line up and let the Eagles know how you're defending the run. And, you, and that, that's right. the point I'm getting at. Like, the underfront, the, the overfront, you have to line what up. What is in, an over and under if we're going to keep using it? It doesn't matter. It's like you're putting the, the, the three technique, the defensive tackle and the B gap to the tight end side, or you're putting him to the opposite you're right. side, to don't the weak side. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to know it. But, like I said, certain runs work against them. So the Eagles, if they're getting under fronts, they're going to run these concepts. If they're running over fronts, they're going to run these concepts. Yeah. What you have to do is change the look after the snap. And you could do that by stunting the line. Like, I could put Chris Jones in the B gap, but then have him go to the A gap after the snap. It's and just now a switcheroo. It's just yeah. like... Now, all of a sudden, the, the offensive line has to communicate that on the fly. They have to know who, who they're blocking. Like, the offensive right. line has to know who they're supposed to block on a run play. And if you're changing the picture after the snap, that becomes Can hard. Can you actually wait, stick on that? Just that simple thing, which I don't know if most people know. The offensive line has to know who they're blocking before the play begins. I, I feel like that's a simple concept. Yeah, but like you what you're to, saying is, like the, like, the key is, like... It's not as simple with the way the Eagles play that, oh, Chris Jones is lined. Like the guy in front of yeah, the two guys yeah. in front of each other, it's an advantage in a way if the lineman knows he's getting that guy. Whereas if the defense, if the two defensive yep. linemen just do a little switcheroo, that's actually a huge advantage. For yeah, the and it's a, it's a way that defenses like steal gaps. That's a way to call it. Like you are defending a run gap without a body. You're doing that in certain ways. You're doing it with movement. Yeah, the best way to, to to elucidate this is to go back and do our Shanahan comparison. We're talking about earlier, like how the Eagles' offense isn't isn't is how it isn't like Shanahan's offense. Shanahan's like the, the yeah. illusion of complexity, and this right. is the illusion of simplicity. Yeah. Shanahan's is zone blocking, right? What's the beauty of zone blocking? Block a dude in this area. Block who shows up. Yeah, exactly. So okay, pre-snap, that guy's in that area. I'm gonna go get him, and then the ball snapped. Oh, it turns out he's not in that area. Well, 
He's in somebody else's area. It's not mine. So yeah. I'm just going to continue blocking this area. And whoever steps in place, I'm going to handle that dude. The Eagles don't run as much zone, uh, as, as zone blocking in the way that the Niners do. They don't have, you know, like three tight ends on the field and they're not going under center and this, that, and they don't have the fullback, whatever. The Eagles sight adjust a lot of stuff on the line. What that means is that Kelsey and and, and Lane and Jordan Mailata, Landon Dickerson, Isaac Samalo, they all they get point and they're like, they rah, all rah, get rah, down. Cage. Exactly. Yeah, they all get down and like, all right, if you know, this defensive tackle is aligned outside of the guard, we're gonna block him this way. And if he's aligned inside of the guard, we're gonna block him that way. And so pre-snap, they decide, right, these are rules for this particular play against this particular front. If you can change that picture, 50% of the time, made up number. The Eagles are going to hit a huge run. You're going to stunt the wrong way. It's going to be a huge advantage to them. Miles Sanders is going to be untouching to the third level. Nightmare. The other 50% of the time, second and nine. And that's what you're fighting for if you're Spags. You are fighting for clear pass downs. And here's the thing. This is when talent matters. This is why you pay Chris Jones 20. This is when talent matters. Previously, talent had not mattered. <laughs> but this, in this moment. <laughs> We're speaking in, like, generalities right What's now. What's about stars, though? I mean, last year's Super Bowl, it was like it came down to Odell, and then when Odell got hurt, it was Cooper Cup, and then Aaron Donald yes. and Von Miller ended the Jamies game. Jamie's and Joe's, always. Yeah. We're talking in generalities. Like, yes, I can block defensive ta- a generic defensive tackle like that even if he stunts over to the gap when that defensive tackle is chris jones and now all of a sudden you have a bad angle because you were the center and you expected chris jones to be in the b gap now all of a sudden he's in the a gap at the last second you have to you oh i'm, I'm blocking chris jones that becomes so much harder well seven it- cop cars usually take down a car unless it's dom toretto driving or sure. jack sparrow in a sword fight that's there right. i say so i think Chris Jones has to have a dominant game. He has to have a monster game. He has to be have the type of game where you're saying, oh, he might be MVP. Like he did again in the last Super Bowl they won against the 49ers. He was dominant in that game. He yeah. has to be in this game. If he isn't, like if you're not hearing his name a bunch on the telecast, the Eagles are going to put up a lot of points. Yep. And they might win this game like they won their last Super Bowl against the Patriots and just that, by outscoring yeah. them. And that's why that early script, right, that that – Deficit is so important. The script isn't like the previously written script of who's going to win the Super Bowl yes, that exactly. every player is following. If the Eagles get to a is spot. Is that what game script met this whole time? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well. If, if the Eagles get to a spot like they've been all season where they can be have a multi-score lead and be protecting that by running the football, they can just sit on this thing. And like they will start sitting on this thing in the second quarter, right? Where it's just like, oh, we're up, we're up 10 points. They're in a first and 10. We're not running this thing, right? Let's get the clock moving. Let's inch the field. Let's make sure we don't do something stupid with field position. They will run the ball. That's where you really start to find ways to eliminate Chris Jones and you just dominate in the trenches the way this team's been built to do. The first quarter is so important in this game. I keep on joking that I'm not going to pick, make a pick until I see Can the first quarter. Can you rank the quarters that are important in this game? One, four, two, three. Bad rankings. What? Bad rankings. What? Three and two, flip three and two. Uh, maybe probably still four so one. It's, wait, though. so rank the quarters again. One I, is one. You, you, the first quarter is more important than the fourth quarter. No, nah, it's probably still fourth quarter, right? Okay, I think fourth fourth four quarter is most important. This is a disaster. Two three. <laughs> but it's like it's like I, I'm questioning like those, all of your previous analysis. It sounds like a soccer formation. It's like all of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of those like uh, like the multiple choice questions where it's like A B B C C yes. A D D, and you're just like ah, I don't know how to answer. Um, four, three, two, one is right there. If yeah, you yeah, want. yeah, right. <laughs> it's um, first quarter is just really important because game script is going to challenge a lot for these teams uh, in terms of of how little we know about the Eagles playing from behind and how well we know the Eagles play from ahead. Game like if this thing stays one possession the whole way, it benefits the Chiefs. If the Eagles ever generate that big lead, it's a huge, huge, huge swing to the Eagles. Well, again, it's like are the Eagles FTX because you know they've been winning the entire, basically every game and every moment that they've played. So it's like, is that a bad thing to always be yes, winning? It's an NFT offense. It's, <laughs> it's an NFT. Jalen Hurts has 
an NFT MVP candidacy. Yeah. They just put the ball. <laughs> they just put the ball in whatever account currently isn't being investigated. They currently borrowed, needs returns. They borrowed a defender from over there, but like you know, it's yeah, it's so. Is this basically what was the crime they did again? Hedge funds. I don't know. Borrowing. No, you, can't, called fraud? You, can't, you can't introduce the metaphor and then ask us what the crime was. Producer That's Isaiah's good. not Isaiah's like, yeah, he Danny also really found lost that the plot on this one. I, look, I'm... I, yeah, all right. I don't know what happened there. All right, want to go to the Chiefs offense? If now we had a working radio row Wi-Fi, we would Google the crime. However, we, we don't. don't. But I want to make oh, one more pon- point about uh, this matchup. A Ponzi scheme. Yeah. yeah right. That's I want to make one more point about this matchup. I think the tackling by... The Chiefs secondary is going to be a big deal because one of the ways that the Chiefs defended the run this run game last year was trying to funnel ball carriers to their their cornerbacks. They had the cornerbacks involved in the run fit, which is not a thing that you typically do. But when you're playing a team like this that can do so much in the in the run game and they have an extra number in Jalen Hurts, you kind of have to do it. And I thought that was a big offseason like priority for them was getting corners that can tackle, getting safeties that can tackle. That's why they got rid of Tyron Matthew because the guy couldn't tackle anymore. He didn't even want to tackle anymore. Yeah. So that was a big deal against the Bengals. I think it's going to be a big deal here. If the corners are tackling, I think that's another way they can really slow down this run game and it prevent those big runs. Chiefs are on offense. We talked about Travis Kelsey and like mm-hmm. how uh, I'm glad we all agree that Andy Reid is Jack Sparrow. And they're just going to be, and we, that was unanimous. Sure. And they're just feeling it out. Once they feel it out, basically, is it galaxy brain to say that uh, Travis Kelsey, third most important Chiefs tight end in this game? Yes. Okay. Because it's less about like Noah Gray and Jody Fortson being important so much as it is about tight ends, like as a as a general concept, okay. as like the bodies that are out there. Right? I like was if, kidding. If okay. If Fortson goes down and Blake Bell goes in, like the the needle doesn't actually move too much, right? I, I asked that though because I wanted to just basically. So, like, you had a great playbook video this week. Thank you for the Old Ringer YouTube. Check it out, and you called it the, by the wrong name. Playbook, play sheet, play sheet, play sheet. Oh my god, it's okay. I, Bill shouted it out like seven times on the pod. He never gets it right once. I'm not used to people knowing the name of the show. Wow, play sheet. I knew it. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> we'll keep it in. Keep it in. Everyone should know. Play sheet. The the Chiefs with multiple tight ends on the field yeah. were the best group of people to play football this year. Yes. And you basically, you you had a really good explanation of that. What the Chiefs are doing when they're like, oh, if my, put my, my foot goes left, where do you go? And if like, okay, we put big people on the field. And then do you put other big people on the field? Because then we will throw. And then if you put small people on the field, we will have our big people knock yeah. over your small people. And you're talking about how, like, how that was actually most prevalent in the Eagles game they played last year. Right. And that your point was that the Chiefs with multiple tight ends and what the Eagles do is essentially the crux of the game on the Chiefs when they're yeah. on the offense. Like the game will definitely be decided by like Patrick Mahomes and AJ Brown and Hassan Reddick and Travis Kelsey and like the stars, Jimmy's and Joe's. But when we go and try to understand like schematically where the most leverage is to be had, this to me is the matchup that stands out. Steven, who is it who has the quote that's like, if you go big, we pass. If you go small, we run. I forget. I, was it was I think Staley I said, said it. it. Yeah, yeah. Sun Tzu. I didn't. I don't know. Right? I'm the one that said it. Was, it. Yeah, head coach of the Chargers, Steven Ruiz. But fundamentally, once you have a, a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, you can kind of say, as, a, as an assumption, a priori, our passing game is going to be oh, really I, good. It's one of those words that just nod. I don't know what it yeah, means. Yeah. So, like, just our passing game is going to be great because we have Mahomes. It really, like, like when they traded Tyreek Hill, they kind of implied this. 
it doesn't matter too much who we got on the field. Like with me and Mahomes, we have a really, really good passing offense. So once you accept that as a reality, then you say, okay, well, who do we want to put on the field? And you go, well, if we put three receivers out there, they're going to put a bunch of defensive backs out there. Those guys are good in coverage. It's going to be harder to pass. If we put three tight ends on the field and they put a nose tackle on the field, and like, because when the Eagles get heavy personnel, when they see 13 personnel, three tight ends, they're going to play with a 5-2 front. They're going to put five defensive linemen on the field. One of those guys, a nose tackle, Linball Joseph or Jordan Davis. How do you get the 11th guy, the nose tackle, on the field? You got to take a coverage guy off. There will only be six linebackers and defensive backs on the field. I'm making up the numbers, but you're basically saying if they put the three tight ends out, the Chiefs' passing game is like 80% as good, but the Eagles have to match with a run, like defense that's like 50% as good against pass. I would say that that's accurate. For humans, for the Chiefs and Mahomes, it's not. It's like 99% as good. It's, <laughs> okay. like their 13 personnel has been better in terms of expected points added per play and certainly by a mile expected points added per drop back than, their, than the rest of their personnel. Like this is the best unit they have to pass because not because of who they're putting on the field, but because of who they're taking off the field defensively. Yeah. Right? You're, You're trying, subbing out right. their defenders. Think about what you can do with six real coverage players against five eligible receivers. You either have to play zone with a... A, a, a deep safety and no robber, right? So there's no low hole safety to help out against like crossing routes and curl routes. Or you have to play zone rules with one less dude than you're used to. You have to play fire zone rules. Those are inherently unsound rules. Like the, the stretch that the Chiefs get on these plays out of 13 personnel is amazing, right? In terms of like, you look on the field and you're like, is it nine on nine? Where is everybody? <laughs> because they've done, they've, they've, they've taken a coverage player off the field and now you have Mahomes throwing into large windows. Who cares if he's throwing to Blake Bell? Who cares if it's if it's Justin Watson, who's the receiver that I could put out there in 11 first out? doesn't matter who it is. Mahomes with this much space? Yeah. Like, good night. And this is, like, not the at all the right basketball analogy, but I'm just reminded of, like, Matthew Delvadova the, against, the like, the Warriors. The theme of Heifetz, uh, Heifetz's uh, episode so far has been, here's an analogy that isn't correct for the situation. <laughs> well, I'm hoping we can get to the correct analogy. But I was just thinking of, like, Matthew Delvadova trying to guard, like, the Warriors, and it's, like, who you're forcing— I mean, I know that was just a weird team, but just who you're bringing— like in basketball, it's like who you're bringing onto the court right. alone is changing the game just by you, your subs. And then you go match upon, right? And so for the Eagles, the question is this. All right, we we see three tight ends in the Chiefs huddle. Their default response has been 5-2, right? Five down defensive linemen. We pretty much all those guys have to rush or one of Josh Sweat or Hassan Reddick is playing in coverage. No, they only rush. They have never sent a four-man rush within that personnel grouping. So they've, if they've they have dropped five, Reddick really? before? On early downs. There's, oh, there's some okay. split on true media where they 100%. Right. Five so fundamentally, rush. you're playing with six in coverage now, right? Okay, well, you start doing that, Mahomes going to eat you. He's going to eat you for four quarters if you play with, with six bodies in coverage. So now you say, all right, we have to go to a four-down front, right? Four-down defensive lineman. So, Jordan Dave, your nose tackle's off, off the, field, the field, and you put on a linebacker you put on a Maddox. They're, they're nickel, right? They're slot player. So now four-down defensive lineman, two linebackers, and five DBs. Maddox being the fifth new DB. And here's where, like, things get crazy. Here's where football is cyclical. The, the, the evolution of football is a pendulum. All things come back home. All Time flat home. circle. Yes. When they go 4-2 four two, four two front, right? They're in a light box. They don't have good run defenders in the building. The Chiefs have three tight ends. Guys who can be attached to the formation, attached to the offensive tackle and block. And they have a seventh round rookie in Isaiah Pacheco who can run the dang football. He's fourth in the league in, in rushing yards over expectation. First in the league in rushing yards over expectation against light boxes. The Chiefs might win this game because when they put multiple tight ends on the field, the Eagles say, we can't lose to the pass. We can't lose to the pass. We have to play the five defensive backs. And the Chiefs go, you know what? We're going to hand the football off. And the Chiefs might win this thing by giving the ball to Isaiah Pacheco. But to be clear, that's and not the Chiefs' choice. You're basically saying, like, if you, like, basically saying the Eagles had to make the choice of, like, we know the Chiefs are going to throw these tight ends at us. Yeah. So, like, 
are we going to put a small person out, a defensive back or a defensive tackle? But it's like, wouldn't you, based on everything we said about Mahomes, wouldn't the Eagles have decided, like, on Monday after they won that game, yeah, we're going to let Pacheco beat us, not Mahomes? Yeah, I think so. And I, I know the stat now. It's when they play man coverage, they only send five-man rush. They've never sent a four-man rush. Yeah. And playing man coverage. Now, think about what that does. All of a sudden, there isn't that extra player, like Solak said. Now you can't double cover Kelsey. Who are you doubling yeah. him with? Otherwise, you're playing cover zero, zero elsewhere. So the only other option is to play your zone stuff, and that's when the, the field gets stretched. That's when it feels like you only have nine defenders against 11 guys, and that's when Patrick Mahomes throws for 500 yards against you. Yeah. So to answer your question, the decision you're making when you're taking a defensive tackle off or a defensive back off and then replacing them with a, a smaller body or a bigger body is whether you're giving up the run or the pass. And the reason why you might not just readily give up the run against the Chiefs if you're the Eagles is because you want to get them in pass rush situations. You want to be able to tell your defensive ends, we know they're passing, pin your ears back, and rush after this guy. That's the only way we win this game. That's the only way we stop this yeah. offense. Why is it is the only pressuring. way you win this game? Because you have to pressure Patrick Mahomes. If you don't pa pressure him, he throws for a million yards and yeah. 50 touchdowns. In the, in the 2021 game, Mahomes had six incompletions and five touchdowns and just sat back there and ripped the thing. Like you, you pretty good. Yeah, it, it was a good day in the office for old, for old Patrick. So you don't get him in those situations if Isaiah Pacheco is running for six yards a pop on first down. Now it's second and four. Oh, How do you get him into third and eight when gotcha. it's second and four? Yep. That's the issue, and that's the dilemma when you're facing this team when they put these big bodies on the field. I, like Patrick Mahomes, when they have three tight ends on the field and they use play action – he averages over 13 yards per drop back. He <laughs> per drop back. He averages point 13 yards. A he averages he, his success rate is 65.5%. What is success rate again? How how often you get enough yards to stay ahead yeah, of the chains. I don't know. Your how, plays are positive. So yeah, two out of every three plays a positive, is a positive play. He averages 0.3 EPA, which would lead the league by a wide margin. And guess what? I just lied. He averages 0.83 EPA per play. <laughs> he basically averages a point every time they run play action on so third personnel. You're saying that in all so when the Chiefs had the multiple tight ends on the field, three putting team sorry, yeah, yeah, three times on the field, and they run a play action. So basically they're like, okay, you guys have to put your run defense out here. And they run play action against the team's run D. Every time Patrick Mahomes drops back on a play action. It's all. It's basically worth a point. They score a point. It's not even worth a point. It's worth an extra point. So it's, it's expected point. points added. <laughs> oh my god. So it's like a point. So a PAT is like a point after attempt. But you're saying this is a PAT like a play action with tight ends. Yes. Yep. That's how like efficient. A point. That's how efficient yep. they've been. It's basically like you're getting the version of Mahomes we saw in the Bills game last year in the playoffs. Just incessantly. So why don't you just build but the even plane out of the every black box? Play. Like, why don't you I mean, just do that all the time? They basically have, but you have to switch things up. If you're doing the same thing over and over yeah. again, it becomes really easy to defend you. They're six in the league in terms of their multiple tight end rate, right? Uh, which is two plus tight ends. In terms of three tight ends, they're third in the league. So they've decently built the plane out of it. There's a limit to how much you can build a plane out of it because, like, here's the like the fun secret. It won't fly. Yeah. Noah Gray and Jordy Fortson like aren't even that good. You know what I'm saying? Say. Like, yeah, and they like, run like three plays. Right, exactly. <laughs> they don't run that many plays. They're just like it's just it. We talked about conflict with the Eagles' offense post snap conflict. Choose one player. It's it's just such a conflicting personnel package. It just puts you between the worst rock and the worst hard place in terms of if we are in heavy personnel, play action pass and we're gonna die. If we are in light personnel, we need our. 185-pound cornerback to be the best run-defending player we've ever seen, <laughs> or Isaiah Pacheco is just going to rumble this thing. It is danged if you do, danged if you don't. And that's why the, uh, like I said, like 
this game absolutely is going to come down to Mahomes and to Hurts and to Brown and to Kelsey and to Reddick and to all the stars. You don't want to minimize the Jimmys and Joes. A.J. Brown makes three incredible catches and nothing else matters. You know what I'm saying? But when we talk about schematic leverage, we talk about the the the, the chess moves on the board that might just make a, a, a such a closely hotly contested game. It just pushes it in the Chiefs' favor. This is the matchup that I care about. The first thing I will be watching for when we're in the, in the box on Sunday is when the Chiefs walk out with multiple tight ends. How do the Eagles match? And let's stick with that. So literally, like we're going to be at this game in the press box. That's when you guys are Sick w- from your perspective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> says man who will also be there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not shouting it to the rooftops. Well, because I, I don't know what's going like to come out of your mouth before. if you shout. You know? the, you've been doing this week. So <laughs> flex at this going nice to the Super flex. Bowl. Flex. Uh, when you guys are sitting down and watching and the Chiefs hit the ball, that's basically what you're watching. How many Titans are on the field? Two, one, two, three. How many defensive backs? And then are the Eagles putting on a defensive tackle like a big old Jordan Davis yep. or who's Linville Joseph over the center's head? Or are there four down linemen and it's like, do they have all this DB? That's basically the first thing you're looking at. And if you see that, you're like, okay, so play actions can gut them. Yeah. Or not. Based on what they yeah. do. I don't and- even think I need to watch the first quarter to know that the Eagles are gonna they're gonna put they're going to play but nickel. In a given play, I'm not saying like in the game, but in a given play, like you're, you're sure like in tennis. Nickel. I'm really not. <laughs> you're uh, not sure what they what? I'm not. Steven thinks they come out in, in, in nickel in 4-2-5. The, the Eagles. Eagles. I think they come out in 5-2. That's what Gannon's done against. Five down linemen. Yeah, exactly. That's that's their package on early downs against heavy personnel. That's what they've well, done all year. What but this you, is Mahomes. This is the Chiefs. They make I'm, teams do things they don't want to well, do. Listen, I'm intimately familiar with Jonathan Gannon and his inability to see an obvious change until, you know, after the ship has sailed a little bit. I think they walk out in five two. But here's the thing, I, here's the thing about this game. I, you have mentioned this throughout the year of just like Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, not being excellent at adjusting at times where they should. Andy Reid is one of the best offensive coaches in the history of football, and also the very rare offensive coach who's been an offensive coach for like twenty five years. Like offensive coaches don't quite have the longevity that defensive coaches do, and defensive coaches have this like mental rolodex of like, well, I've seen every coverage, and there's nothing new, so you're doing this, and it's like on the burden of Sean McVay and Shanahan to come up with new genius shit. But then when it's out, you have to stir it all over, and it's like there's a reason McVay is you know potentially burned out as the youngest head coach in the NFL and debating retiring. Andy Reid, I just, when I hear what you guys are saying, fundamentally, it's like, why shouldn't I be on this side with Andy Reid and Mahomes and all that creativity and the experience versus what you're saying about Jonathan Gann, the Eagles defensive coordinator, of just not adapting? Well, you should be. I think you should be on that side. Yeah, we're both thinking the Chiefs. So you're saying that that's like the biggest problem is the Eagles not having the right people on the field more so than the plays themselves. It's like the plays are almost preordained based on the decisions they make on who they put out there. Yeah, I, th- I think, right, like, Gannon's been, in, in my experience, an inflexible coach, and I would love for the two weeks prep and the fear of Mahomes to change that. I think there will be things that change. Like, he's really good at making individual game plans within their coverages. It's just they don't, like, install a lot of new stuff or, like, change their, their philosophy too much. We'll see. You know what I'm saying? It's the Super yeah. Bowl. A lot can happen. I do, in general, though, experience an edge, give an edge, and, 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 a, and I think it's a meaningful edge to Andy Reid and to this Chiefs coaching staff that's been here multiple times. They've been here recently. And the Eagles, who have been tremendous, who have been unbelievable, who have been such a good team, who have done such a good job. They've been mature and they've been confident and they've been poised. There's nothing to be taken away from the Eagles. It's just the Super Bowl. It just is. It's just, it it is the, it is the ultimate game. And it's a coach who's never been in it, second-year guy. It's a a quarterback in Jalen Hurts, second-year starting, who's never been in it before. Gets Mahomes and Andy, who have been here a bunch. And, like, one of my big question marks is, like, Sirianni on fourth downs, for example. Sirianni is a bold dude. He's aggressive. Goes for it a lot. He's really good. It takes guts. 
Fourth and two, your own 35, Mahomes on the other sideline, second A billion quarter. people watching. Exactly. I, see, it's funny. That, well, this is a different thing. I, but if it were Madden, it takes guts to punt. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. giving the ball back to Mahomes yeah, is actually the scary But Ben Solak's going to be in the building, and that's going to intimidate Nick Sirianni. Well, yeah, you know the name. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Download FanDuel now and use promo code RINGERNFL so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Jody Fortson, 14-1, touchdown. Noah Gray, 8-1, touchdown. Bet on all the Chiefs' tight ends, overs, receiving yards, Travis Kelsey, all of them. All on a top-rated sportsbook app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get page winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today with the promo code RINGERNFL to claim your no-sweat first bet about Super Bowl 57. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21-plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. It's restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT. Step or text next up to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat connected, 1-800-9 with it in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope Wide to 467-369 in New York, 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Can we flip to the other side of the ball for a second? Because we have not talked about A.J. Brown at all. Yeah, I wanted to talk about A.J. I was worried that we hadn't. What do you want to talk about? So we were in a bar, suspiciously right before your food poisoning began. My parents don't know I drink. What? No, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We were in a bar, suspiciously right before your food poisoning began. And and, uh, it's fine. Just everyone who's eating with you is fine. So it's just, you know, either you're just like weak or, you know, fraud as well. I could, I, why not both? <laughs> Poor Kayla is this. No, but like, we were talking about how the flip side of what you were saying about earlier about Jalen Hurts being a running threat on like Tom Brady. And so that she's, instead of a four defensive line like Spagnola with the Giants beating a five offensive line for the Patriots, now that Hurts can run, it's actually you need five defenders to beat because it's six people right. in the backfield. But you were saying the flip side of that, where's that fifth defender come from? And you were explaining to me how that fifth defender means that A.J. Brown will be a nightmare for the Eagles. Right, and he's been a nightmare against teams because of that. Because usually, well, Where does the fifth guy come from? Because we never came back to this. So, like, they, they, the Chiefs also need a fifth. That's, like, when the theme you, of this team. When you say like they fifth both guy, I would, I, I would encourage a different construction. When I'm rushing a pocket statue, Stafford, he can't move. Jared Goff, hypothetically. Goff, right. I always I want, use golf. It's Jared Goff, Goff. right. I, I want four guys. I want to rush my four down. I want to get to him, and I know where he's going to be. When there's a scrambling quarterback, it's not that I, I need to add a fifth rusher and it's like, all right, four guys, get him out of the pocket, and the fifth guy goes and gets him. It's that other players besides just the four have to have conscious responsibilities that the quarterback might leave the pocket. Or if you ever played Michael Vick and Madden, it's like you had to find the play with the quarterback spy. Yeah, you, right. like you need had that to guy. It. You need yeah. that extra set and, of eyes. You need to think right. about it. But even then, I would say and sometimes it's that dude. It's one dude who's the additional guy who's the quarterback spy, and that's it. Oftentimes, it's not that. It's like... I have to play with zone coverage. You watch the Bengals. The Bengals, when they play Mahomes, always, they're underneath players, zone eyes. Always have eyes on the pocket. So it's not one dude who's added to the rush. It's these three underneath guys who all have a third of the responsibility of saying, all right, 
we need to make sure dudes are looking at this guy. So we're going to try to rush him. We're going to try to get him with our forward, try to get him down. But we need to have additional players who at least have a conscious part of their responsibility, a conscious part of their checklist on one play, to be handling him if he leaves but, the pocket. So that does bad. change on man coverage, though. You can't do that in yes. man coverage unless man, you're right. not rushing four, which is a, but, a mistake if, against let, Mahomes. Let's say this was basketball on the line of scrimmage, the three-point line. You're basically saying that you actually have to pay more attention. Like, Jared Goff is Ben Simmons. You leave him alone at the three, right? Right, yeah. And then Jalen Hurts is like, if Ben, like the summer workout videos of Ben yeah, Simmons, when you can shoot, you got to like play up on the line. But when you move that guy out to the line or whatever happens, you have to pay more attention to three point line, chase shooters off. You're opening up the paint, and that's where AJ Brown comes in, right? Right. And LeBron James, he's like LeBron James cutting into the paint. He's huge yeah. and fast. He's huge. He's fast. He's huge and fast for a receiver. And he's good at boxing people out. He leads the NFL in in breaking routes, like production, like every stat you could think of. And it's because the middle of the field, tends to be open against them because a lot of teams play man coverage because they want to defend the run. That means you need to commit more bodies to the line of scrimmage. That means you can't spread out the zones. That's why you play more man coverage against good running teams. And, like, there just aren't enough bodies to go around. Like, you have to give up things. Otherwise, you're going to be giving up big gaps in the run game. You're going to be giving up scrambles, which go for a lot of yards. Or you just have to hope that they miss some throws to A.J. Brown or he drops a pass or our cornerbacks somehow win. Well, and also that, tell me if I'm wrong. When we all we're, we're talking about when you're facing the Eagles' offense with having that, whether it's a fifth person or whatever, just like the general awareness. You have to because of what Jalen Hurts does as a runner and the read option stuff. You have to commit more to stopping that. Yeah, you're pulling resources, a person, attention, whatever, yeah. away. And I, I, the analogy I like, and tell me if I'm wrong, it's if you ever played Madden. You know that, like, the deep blue zones are, like, for the blue cover, like, the yeah, deep, deep coverage. Yeah, yeah. The deep zone. Then you have the yellow zone, the little yellow intermediate circles, like your little inside linebacker would do that yellow intermediate circle. Mm -hmm. And when you play the Eagles, you kind of have to have that yet one of those yellow circle guys either blitz or be a quarterback spy or just be more... Uh, yeah. So, basically, is that where A.J. Brown just goes? He's basically that space that's empty. It's A.J. Brown just cutting there and you can't stop him? Yes, and it's even, like it, there's the the undesigned aspect that puts the stress on that middle-of-the-field player, right? There's the Jalen Hurts scramble, the Jalen Hurts creating, the undesigned aspect of the offense. There's also the designed aspect of the offense. They'll just move that guy with play action. They'll move that guy with a run action. Yeah. They'll move the guy with a run fake, right? And then they're able to go to that middle of the field. Remember, in 2021, the Eagles could not throw to the middle of the field. And then in 2022, they're quite good throwing in the middle of well, the field. That was like one of the issues with that Bucks game, right? Yeah, like where right. the Buccaneers laughed them off the field. There basically. was a defensive coordinator who gave an anonymous quote that was like, "Yeah, they're the easiest offense to game plan against. You just leave the middle of the field and go play the edges." So, what is the difference between the two years ago uh, or it, the Eagles being right. like what was it, 30 it, to 10? Uh, it was 31-17. But the 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 difference in terms of last year to this year and why they can access the middle of the field is extremely complex. AJ Brown's on the team. That's the difference. <laughs> he's that talented of a player. He leads the league since he entered the league in yards per route run and in breaking routes. This season, NGS, he leads the league in contested catch uh, rate over expectation. Is that like an NFT? Ne in next-gen stats. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He leads the league in, in contested catch rate in tight windows, right? He leads the league in, in winning against press coverage. Yards per route run, 4.5 yards per route run against press coverage. is the best number NGS has ever charted since they started in 2016. There is the, there is no player on this uh, on in this game, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Hassan Reddick, Jason Kelsey, who is more physically dominant at what he does than A.J. Brown is. And Jalen Watson, right, who's the, the, the rookie corner, they press him more than any corner in the league who's going to be handling A.J. Brown. 
is one of the worst corners in the league in contested catch situations. So this is why I keep emphasizing, like we talk about all the scheme stuff, but this is going to boil down to stars because there's a chance A.J. Brown just decides to dunk on Jalen Watson three times. And if he does, take your ball, go home. It's a, you, you had a great game plan. You handled Jalen Hurts. You handled the running game. You, you zone blitz. You got him to third and long. And then A.J.'s just topping Jalen Watson the whole game. He's just the Eagles-Steelers game from this year. That's, yeah. that's so, okay, why they won. Well, you're Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator in this situation. So what the hell do you do about A.J. Brown? You have to change the looks. Like if Jalen Hurts What does goes, that mean, change the looks? Like I have to show like – too high safety and then rotate one down, change the coverage. You Motion, can't like zone blitz. people have to like the ball snapped and the Chiefs defense, the players have to go to different places. What Jalen Hurts thinks he's seen before the snap can't be what he's actually seen after the snap. Zone blitz. Like Jaylen if Jalen Hurts walks to the line and he's like, Oh, I have man to man cover one on one, AJ Brown on Jalen Watson and he's pressing, I like I could just throw the go ball. And if you don't take that go ball away, like you don't have the safety that's in the middle of the field go out over top of AJ Brown. They're going to throw the go ball. They're going to complete the go ball. And A.J. Brown's going to go for 200 yards. Jalen Hurts is the sixth worst quarterback in the league against just zone blitz, which is like a little bit of a messy oh, number. I, I, I stole yeah. that number from you, too. I actually yeah. have it in front of me. And, and, and he's I, faced a third most zone blitzes well, of any quarterback in the league. So it's a decently strong sample. Oh, even and, better. Wait, I'm stealing your own numbers and throwing them back at you, but I want to. Jalen Hurts, second worst in the entire NFL in EPA per drop back against zone blitzes. There we go. 38th of 39 quarterbacks. He was worse than Russell Wilson, and if you just go by EPA per drop back, your stat, three times worse than Carson Wentz on zone, on zone uh, right. bases. It, 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 it's a double whammy that hits Hurts where he doesn't like to be hit. The first aspect, the blitz aspect, when Hurts gets blitzed, he wants to leave clean pockets. The second Hurts sees guys from depth, right, like a, 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 a Jared Goff or even like a Trevor Lawrence, right, these quarterbacks go, where's my hot? Where's my quick read? Throw into the blitz. What is that? Her, you, yeah. Where's hot, my hot? My hot read. It's like Jalen Hurst is pretty hot. Yeah. He's a good looking guy. They, when there's a blitz, I'm going to throw to a receiver who's open in the void that the blitz created, right? You're, you're, uh, what's the emergency exit? Yes. And, and for Jalen Hurts, who's so good at running the football, when he sees blitz, he goes, I want to get out of this pocket. Let me go create something. They just sent a guy to the pocket. Let me leave. And He's so he, his own hot, basically. Yeah. Uh, like instead of a so instead of needing an emergency exit, you can just parachute He's out. He's got your the own eject window. button, yeah. yeah. So you go, so he leaves clean pockets, and so if you zone blitz him, especially off his right side, he'll leave to the left. He's not very good throwing to his left because he's right-handed. It's if hard. You play to. Breath of the Wild. It's like before and after you get your paraglider. It's like before the paraglider, if you jump off a building, you die. But once you get the paraglider, you can just leave anything you want. That's how it is in real life, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I do with my paragliders. Metaphor. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I was. But I figured that. All right, all right. So I'm 0 for 4 on the analogies. That we, no, the Pirates one hit. I'm 1 for yeah. 4. You blitz him. You get him out of the pocket, and then because you're playing zone, like I brought up earlier, you have eyes on him, right? It's not man coverage where everybody's backs turned and they're chasing receivers all across the field, and now he can turn up field and run. Zone blitz. You have eyes on him. Zone blitz is exactly what Steven's talking about. We're going to have guys play zone responsibilities. We're going to send blitzes from depth. We're going to change who goes where. This is the thing that Spags does well. They they ran the 11th most zone blitzes of any defense this year. That's the thing that I think when you get to those pass downs, that's what they're going to try to throw at Jalen Hurts, and he's got to be able to beat that. And you talked about the longevity of defensive coordinators. Spags has been around for a long time, and that man has a deep bag of of blitzes, deep. plays that look like blitzes but aren't well, actually tell me blitzes. About the Belichick thing, like like the Rams Patriots a few years ago, or it was five years ago at this point. My God, that basically like Belichick beat the Sean McVay Rams by using a defense formation that he used against a random. Bears Giants game when he was the defensive coordinator for the Lawrence Taylor Giants in like 1990. Yeah, and he just was like, "Oh yeah, that's what they do. I'll do this." And it's like the r mental Rolodex that the defensive coordinators yeah. have. Like after that game, like Belichick was asked because a lot of people gave credit to Vic Fangio and the Bears for laying the blueprint 
for beating the Rams. Like two months earlier. Yeah, and and uh, Belichick was like, nah, that's not where I got it old. from. And like, you go back to that game against the Bears, and in 1990, he ran the same 6-1 front and the same coverages behind it. If Belichick, though, was like decently inspired by Vic Fangio and like saw that film, was like, oh, that reminds me, I should do this. He would never admit it, though. I'm not taking his words at face value in that context. But in the same breath, he gave credit to Matt Patricia, who's a far worse person. That's what he does. For. That's what Bill does. He gaslights with Matt Patricia credit. That reminds me, the um the only quarterback who was worse than Jalen Hurts in zone blitzes this year was Mac Jones, whose offensive coordinator was a defensive coordinator. Well, Good. that's what happens. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So with all this said, here's what I'm hearing: when you're actually watching the game, it's about the decisions these teams are making. When the yep. Chiefs are putting all these big tight ends out here, the Eagles are like, have to make a decision: are we matching with bigs or smalls? Which is kind of a decision of like, are we going to live and die with Isaiah Pacheco and Mahomes? But yeah. But if you live and die with Pacheco, you actually might be living and dying with Pacheco and Mahomes. So you kind of have to live in, and they have. That's a decision they're making. And then on the flip side of the ball. The Chiefs, it's basically like if the def- the Chiefs defense is stagnant when the ball snapped and then the Chiefs defense still doesn't move, the Eagles are probably going to like gut them as that Gannon Here, screen. Here's a good way to like kind of pay attention to that. If Jalen Hurts is throwing in rhythm, like he's taking his drop back and he's right when he hits the, the last step of his drop and the ball is coming out, that's a loss for the Chiefs. They need like him. If he has to do that little bounce yeah, on his feet more hitching. than one time. They need him bad. like looking, going through his progressions. They need him to, they need to force him to be a pocket quarterback. See, I'm not saying he's a bad one. He's a, a decent one, and he's always improving. But that's not his best feature. And you want it, that's how you win these games. That's how you win Super Bowls. You make yep. the other team do things Square they don't want to do. Holes. Yes. Yep, make them not okay. fit. All right, so. Gosh, I'm so excited for this game, man. <laughs> We're picking. So let's now let's just be kind to everyone who's been listening to us this episode this season. How are we making money on this game? Travis Kelsey overs, Jody Fortson. Shout out Cousins South, 14 to 1 to score a touchdown. Yeah, I like Noah Gray over like 12 and a half receiving yards where it's still available. I like Noah Gray to score a touchdown. I think Gray is on the field for two tight end sets. He's more common than Fortson, who's only out for the three tight end sets. Um, I like uh, 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 Jareth McKinnon over 22 and a half receiving yards. We didn't discuss in the, we did a shameless play. We did a prop bet draft show in the yeah. NFL draft show today, which on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show feed, it's a little confusing. But we didn't mention Isaiah Pacheco over rushing. Is that like also something we should be doing here? I mean, it- that's one of the things that depends on how the Eagles match it with depends the, on the Eagles play. formation. You lie, you lie better. Here's how you, you, lie here's how you okay, win so money well, on that's, Sunday. That's very good information. Here's how I, you I win money on Sunday. Don't bet. Stuff. Don't so bet on this game. Don't bet on this game. Why not? It's too hard to predict. But the point being, when you if the first thing you see is like Linville Joseph and Jordan Davis on the field in those three tight end sets, you're like, oh, Mahomes over passing yards. And if they match with the DBs and there's four down linemen, you're like, all right, live bet. Pacheco over. That's a lot of how of how live betting works is just kind of knowing personnel and who's going to stay on the field. Uh, so I recommend that. Um, I like the McKinnon over uh, passing yards just because Mahomes is going to check it down a lot against that pass rush, right? Get rid of the ball quickly. Let McKinnon do work for them. Uh, Miles Sanders over rushing yards. You know, we, we talked about how diverse that running game is, but the Eagles generally don't want Hurts to keep it just because of the shoulder. Con- contact is going to make the shoulder worse. He, he initially got injured by getting landed on on a tackle. So they're going to give the ball to Sanders. They're going to give the ball, I think, over Sanders' rushing yards. And then A.J. Brown over longest reception, over 26.5 yards for longest reception. We talked about it. The Eagles, a very important part of their game is going to be A.J. Brown's down there somewhere. Yeah. Like That's a critical aspect. That is a cornerstone of the game plan. He's going to get some downfield shots. I would take some Dallas Goddard unders. Unders. I like Dallas Goddard. Because I that think makes the sense. Chiefs, one thing they do really well is take away the middle of the field. That's why we talk about how much pressure they put on their cornerbacks. They basically put them on an island. And they're like, you got to press this guy. You got to win. You got to win one-on-one matchups. They did against the Bengals last week. If 
there's bodies in the middle of the field and they're playing that same style. Like there's no room for Goddard to really operate. And I think, I, I don't know. I think you're going to have to rely on the RPO stuff where he's just running to the flat and you're throwing it to him and he picks up a bunch of yak. And I don't know if, you know, that's hit or miss. So did anything in this conversation change that you guys feel about like you, you're both in on the Chiefs? I think the Chiefs have matchup advantages. And I think that the Chiefs stars, Mahomes and Chris Jones are enough that the Chiefs win the game. I also think it's going to be one score late. I think it's going to be a tight fourth quarter. And I know what Mahomes is in those situations. And I really don't know too much about what Jalen Hurts is in those situations. So I like the Chiefs. It's a 52-48 sort of a thing. It really is. I think it, I think the game ends 33-30. I think it ends 31-30. I yeah. think we are on the edges of our seats, gripping, you know, uh, clen clenched fists, gritting our teeth. I think, like, I I've said it on every pod. I want to say it emphatically here. I think we're in for a special Super Bowl. I think we're in for a game that we talk about for a long, long time. Okay. That's all we got. This was awesome. This is an awesome episode. And uh, my new really cringe post-pandemic thing is telling people nice things to their faces. I really like doing this show with both of you. Um, I really would have enjoyed it more if you had like at least acknowledged that the Pirates of the Caribbean Andy Reid thing was really good. I was with you. This you side of the table. I appreciate that. You're not getting me. It, but you, but I'm movie. right. Like, that was good. Bye, everybody. It's like, you're the worst podcaster I've ever heard of. But you have heard of me. Steven, we're watching Pirates tonight in the hotel room. Totally watch Pirates. Pirates of the Caribbean, Crystal Black Pearl. All right. All right. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you, Isaiah, for being awesome all season, but especially for sitting through all that. Oh, my God. Thank you, Isaiah. Thank you also, Eduardo, for a great season. Thank you, Arjuna. Thank you, everyone at the NFL show. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening, most of all. Really appreciate it. I hope everyone listening learned some stuff and had fun. So thank you. This was awesome. And good game.